0: This is Ian Hartley, and I'm Warren Kaye. Welcome to the Rediscovering God podcast. We invite you to join us as we endeavor to see him more clearly, love him more dearly,
1: and follow him more nearly. You will find the PDF document that we're following today on our website, rediscoveringgod.ca, where the recordings, the PDFs, the podcasts are all listed there. You can share that website with your friends and they can follow along.
2: We'd also really love to invite you to the Monday night Zoom discussion where we all gather in fellowship with each other, all us listeners of the podcast where we can come with our questions comments thoughts um, resources it's a wonderful time of encouragement where um, we get to affirm each other and encourage each other um, so that's a Monday nights at seven thirty Mountain Time and just type in 403-506-9201 and we'd love to have you there
1: And there is a statement that I've heard you um, make for many years, and uh, it has quite an impact. The statement is, we did not choose to be born on this planet. And I'm wondering if uh, you would explain a bit more about why you've come to that conclusion and what are the implications of that for for all of us?
0: I'm not sure how I came to that conclusion. But I've never found anybody who challenged me on it. Now, maybe I will find somebody someday. But I know that I never went to some office in the universe and specified where I wanted to be born and what sort of parents I wanted and what my home language would be and what my gender would be. I don't know. Have you? Did you do that?
1: No, there's. Some basic things in life that we don't have a choice over. And those are, those are the ones.
0: Yeah. That's, I think it's pretty safe to say that none of us chose to live on planet Earth. It was just thrust upon us. with all the sadness and sorrow of living and dying here. And look, there's a parallel, you know. Uh, what about a child born blind or deaf? or afflicted with some dreadful syndrome, um, do you condemn a child that's born that way?
2: Mm. No. No, definitely
0: not. No. You know, I have I have two uh, young men who are born with fetal alcohol syndrome and they have muscular dystrophy, and they're not gonna live to study, you know? Um, and now they're in wheelchairs and they can't walk, they can't hardly lift their arms anymore. And um I I just when I look at them and I think about it, I say, wow, are you guys ever going to have a different reality when Jesus comes? Yeah. Mm.
3: Yeah. Yeah,
0: that's good. So You know, sometimes it almost seems to me we think we're kinder than God. Um, And uh, we sort of see God taking revenge on us uh, when we wouldn't do it ourselves. So that's something I like to keep in the back of my mind, that God is far kinder than my most generous thoughts.
3: Right. Mm -hmm. And
0: he's more fair than we ever dreamed to be. Hmm. Yeah. So now when you start talking about fairness and justice and so on, uh, where's the fairness uh, in uh, Adam's children all being in this sorry predicament we're in? Yeah. Uh, you know, and when I talk to some people, they, they sort of feel that I'm um, giving up responsibility for the way I live my life. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. I try and bravely live my life with its ups and downs. And I know that at the second coming, all will be righted. But I also know about the present. And I meet people who are just so depressed, they're thinking suicide. You know, and uh, I hear about people sold into the sex trade. In adolescence, there's something dreadfully wrong on our planet. Mm -hmm. Does a good future justify a sorry present? (laughs) Well, my first answer was no, but then I thought about going to the dentist to suffer so that I can get rid of the pain. So sometimes, um, yeah, a bad present might lead to a good future. Mm. But for some people, it doesn't. So um, one of the things uh, um, I hear about is that we're here to vindicate God. In other words, if we suffer bravely um, and turn to God, we give God a good name. So I'm wondering if God uh, would use us like that to vindicate his name. Hmm. It doesn't sound moral to me.
1: No. Yeah, you're right. Uh, it, it's not a, It's not what I would see. Uh, I mean, the, the unfairness of it is is horrendous.
0: Of course, God knows all the things we're talking about. Um, somehow he sees us with eyes of compassion and understanding and surely he understands the unfairness of the suffering on the planet. Mm-hmm. So what makes it moral uh, for me, for God to allow this, uh, is he was the innocent one who was tortured, abused and executed 2000 years ago. And he has suffered more than all of us put together because every human pain is his pain. He made us, he loves us as if we're the only person on the planet. So I'm glad you're here, Sasha, you have children. Warren too.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, you know, we lived in Central Africa when our children were small and they would get malaria, high fever, um, listless. They didn't know what was going on. And I'd watch them lying in their cribs and crying. And I often wished I could take their place mm-hmm. because I at least knew um, that I would recover. Generally, Mm -hmm. maybe that's how God felt. So he actually came and suffered with us.
3: Mm. Yeah,
0: that's a good
1: point. He was trying to communicate to us that he does understand what we're going through.
0: Yeah. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: Yeah. I'd like us to read Romans 3.26. This uh, indicates the fairness of God, the justice of God, and so on. Sasha, perhaps you can read that, Romans 3.26.
2: Sure. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just, and he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus.
0: That's uh, well stated. Which translation is that?
2: Uh, This is also New Living Translation.
0: New Living Translation. Uh, So God's gone to great lengths to correct the consequences of Adam's choice in our lives. So for instance, the miracles he performed 2,000 years ago demonstrated his desire and his ability to save or heal us of our hungers, our afflictions, our sadnesses, and our eventual death. So those miracles certainly benefited the recipients, but the stories are there to tell us that Jesus is sympathetic with what's happening to us. I mean, often he would do miracles. Uh, he wasn't asked to do them, like uh, the widow of man whose son had died, and he meets the, the funeral procession and resurrects the boy. I mean, nobody asked him to do that. Yeah, right. It's just like... He, his heart just overflowed to this woman. Mm-hmm. And so the, those miracles, like John says in his gospel, they signs. They're not miracles. They're more than miracles. They are signs pointing you to something. And for me, the miracles Jesus does is pointing me to the heart of God and saying that that's what God wants. Yeah.
2: This is really interesting because I feel like in my early 30s, this was a question that I, I said, or I, a statement I said to myself a lot. This idea of not, I didn't choose to be here. I didn't choose to be part of this, you know, cosmic struggle here. And somehow it, it I had a lot of anger, I think, in my heart that I, Felt like somehow I was never going to be able to get out of this alive, either way. <laughs> mm. And I just feel like as as you're talking, the words that you're saying are like realizing how much hope I now have and how much peace I have now because of that. This message has been like washing, uh, like waves on the shore of my heart because. I hear this, like I actually can hear this now. And it sort of comes in, whereas before, this is just, yeah, it, was, it wasn't there. It, there's so much um, beautiful hope here.
0: Yeah, so much of Christianity is, uh, Warren likes to use the term transactional rather than relational,
3: mm-hmm.
0: like God's proving something or demonstrating or following some uh, predetermined law. Um, and that is not actually in relationship with us. You know, like a traffic officer stopping me. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no relationship there. He's doing his job. And I'm doing my best to evade his job. <laughs> and, um there's no meeting of minds here or touching of hearts i
2: met a i met a woman a a couple years ago and we just started talking about this and this was at the very beginning when i started learning this stuff and i had heard um that warren was wanting to do this podcast and everything and she was just her eyes lit up and she said oh my goodness sasha i am so excited for you to meet the god that i know he is like i can't wait to talk to him because he is so in love with me and i just i couldn't even like it just didn't make any sense to me and now looking at that i go man like it's true It's it's kind of like learning to read, you know you can like actually see that the letters make words. It's pretty exciting.
0: Yeah I want to look at some evidence for uh, what we've been saying and uh, first of all, um, it's very clear from the scripture, especially the New Testament that Jesus God desires that we experience, love joy and peace in our lives so jesus will describe himself in offices that promote love joy and peace he will say for instance is the good samaritan he shows compassionate compassion to people who fell among thieves he's the good shepherd not only a shepherd But a good shepherd is the compassionate high priest, is the savior of the world. So often we miss this. Usually it's read at Christmas, Uh, but I'd like us to read Luke 2 8 to 14. Warren, if you could. uh...
1: That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. the armies of heaven praising God and saying glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God
0: is pleased. not that an amazing passage?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Mm. You know, you, you could just sense the love, the joy, and the peace that God wants to share with us in that passage. And these angels are really <laughs> caught up in the wonder of the moment. Yeah. So what else did you hear in that passage?
1: Well, I, I love the reference to great joy. Uh, yeah. Elizabeth Talbot talks about mega joy. Yeah. There's a reference to mega joy in the second chapter of Luke, and then another reference at the end when they, when Jesus ascends and they understand what he has done, he's opened their minds to understand and, and they leave with mega joy once again. Go back to the temple to worship.
0: Okay, good. John, the Baptist, will refer to Jesus as the Lamb of God in John 1, verse 29. Sasha?
2: Yeah. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world.
0: So this is God's Lamb that he is bringing to us that will take away the sin of the world. Like the the metaphor is magical. This innocent, cuddly little lamb is going to take away the sin of the world with its gentleness and innocence. You know, um, in John 10, verse 10, I just want to read the second part. Uh, Jesus in the first part says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Then he says, but I have come that you might have Life. And then he qualifies that life. Abundant life. Mega life. Yeah, I don't know what sort of picture that evokes for you. Um, For me, it means a life of uninterrupted parties. (laughs) (laughs) Right.
2: (laughs) Yeah, in my version, it also uses the word um, satisfying life. And I was just yeah. thinking about well, how many times do I actually feel really satisfied? There's uh-huh. always either a critique in my mind about, Oh, I haven't done it well enough or, you know, but the idea of actually sitting in that feeling of satisfaction.
1: You know, if, I, if I could take us back to the lamb of God, just for a, a little comment. Um, usually we think of a lamb is, is a, a gift given to change the deity's mind to do something good for us. And, and it's like John turns this around and says, this is the lamb of God, which is given to us to get us to change our mind about him. It's not a lamb given to us so that we can then give it back to God to change God's mind about us. It's, it's what he is given to try to convince us of his goodness, at, so that we can come into a relationship with him. It's such a beautiful twist to that that you made me aware of that I, I couldn't help but bring it out.
2: That's amazing. I love that. That's a Thank
0: wonderful. you. So all these uh, functions or offices are designed to enable us to experience at least love, joy, and peace, spite of our sadnesses.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: But... It's like God is very aware we didn't choose to get born here. He knows we're going through this sadness and the pain and the heartache. And and he wants to bring love, joy, and peace to enable us to endure those things until he can rescue us out of this mess.
0: So um, point number two, Jesus does not judge or condemn us. This this was very new for me at one stage in my life uh, because I grew up in a Christian home, went to Christian Academy and college. And the big spiel was, how can you make God so sad? You know, how does God feel? Really uh, manipulative talk. And uh, I really felt the frown of God. Somehow, I never read these verses. So John 3, 17. I'll quote that for you. God sent not his son into the world to judge or condemn the world, but that the world might be saved or healed through. Like, it's just categorical. It's dogmatic. It's insistent. God did not send Jesus to judge us, but to heal us, to save us.
1: So it switches our picture of God from judge to savior.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. healer healer that word that's translated savior uh, can also be translated healer right Mm -hmm. so 1247 is just mind blowing Sasha
2: I will not judge those who hear me but don't obey me for I have come to save the world and not to judge it (laughs)
0: like (laughs) Why didn't somebody read that to me when I was an adolescent? (laughs) Yeah, that is amazing verse. And Romans 5, verse 8. Because there are many more, but we need to read at least three. Yes. Uh, Warren?
1: But God showed his great love for us, sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners.
0: Jesus didn't die for good people.
1: He doesn't wait for us to take the initiative. He came while we were still a mess.
0: So, you know, uh, this sense of guilt and shame uh, comes from the devil. It comes from our own hearts because we have a sense of integrity within us. And so when we fail, we judge ourselves as guilty. And Mm -hmm. it comes from other people.
2: I was just thinking of, you know, the verse where it talks about work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Mm -hmm. And I was struck by the idea that potentially it's that we are fearful and we are trembling and that the work is this, it's the coming to the verses and being confirmed, or maybe that's not the right word, but seeing the affirmation that he is that he is the savior and that he is loving us and that he is healing us and that the promises are there, but we, the work is only coming to the verses to see the, the um, knowledge that he is good. Um, And the fear and trembling will always be there because Satan will never want us to always stay in peace and joy and, love and all of those things so that to me shifts that a little bit that we don't have to be scared of not getting saved but that our natural state is fear and that coming to him is is the work is just to see that it that he is good to taste and see that he is good
3: yeah
1: yeah that that's a great reframe because we usually read that as describing work hard to be good right and and it's and what you're saying is no it's not work hard to be good it's work hard to understand what God has already done
0: yeah Uh, Jesus in John you search the scriptures because you think uh, that you'll get eternal life that way Mm -hmm. Uh and they testify of me but you refuse to come to me like what can I do with you guys you know yeah Mm -hmm. You think reading the Bible will save you, but the Bible is about me, and and you you read the Bible and you refuse to come to me. Instead, you believe all these lies about God. Yeah. So uh, many people believe that the Holy Spirit's work is to bring guilt and condemnation upon us. Mm -hmm. They confuse the Holy Spirit with conscience. Mm-hmm. And guilt from the devil, our uh, own hearts, and from other people. So here's what Jesus said about the the spirit. Uh, John sixteen five to eleven. Uh, Sasha, I think it's your turn.
2: All right, but now I am going away to the one who sent me, and not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. but in fact, it is best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I don't go away, then I will send him to you. If I do go away, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will not see me anymore. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged.
0: So that's the good news, is that the Holy Spirit is a comforter, an advocate, just like Jesus was. Jesus came to us and advocated for his Father. That's usually stood on his head and said... uh, Um, You can't go to God directly. You have to go through Jesus. And to indicate that, you end your prayer in Jesus' name. Like that ending your prayer in Jesus' name is done because you're not sure that God will accept your prayer except that you put on that little phrase at the end. We can't talk about that. We just don't have enough time. Today. But the Spirit is our comforter and advocates with us to overcome our guilt and shame. He's not advocating with the Father on our behalf. Yeah. The Father loves us just as much as Jesus loves us. Yeah. Okay, so here are some incredible uh, verses. God keeps no record of our sins. First one, Second 2 Corinthians 5.19. Sasha, if you'll read that, please. 2 Corinthians 5, 19. The whole of chapter 5 in 2 Corinthians is just lyrical about the goodness of God.
2: For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sin against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation.
0: Thank you. No longer, what does it say about sins?
2: No longer counting people's sins against them.
0: No longer counting their sins against them. Warren, 1 Corinthians 13.5.
1: This is in the love chapter, and it says, it does not demand its own way, it is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wrong.
0: Okay, so this is uh, love. As you said, a love passage written by that nasty little man who was out to get all Christians. who met the God of love on the Damascus road and turned his world upside down. And he says, love keeps no record of wrongs. God is love. 1 John 4 verse 8. So in my previous life, I used to teach mathematics. So you can substitute God for love, the equivalent. So 1 Corinthians 13.5 says, God keeps no record of wrongs. Amen. Yeah, beautiful. So we're not going to read it, but in Zechariah 3 in the Old Testament, you have the devil accusing the high priest, Joshua. The high priest is the most holy man in Israel, and the devil's accusing him, meaning that if he's guilty, everybody else is guilty.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, God comes to him, the angel of God of the Lord says to the devil, listen. This is a brand that I snatched out of the fire. In other words, he was being burnt up. I pulled him out. I put the fire out. I've saved him. And now put clean clothes on and a clean turban on his head. And then the angel of the Lord says, see, I've, passed all your, I've caused all your sins to pass away. They're no longer there. That's the message of God. Yeah. There's... Our faults and our failings are not his concern. His concern is how to get us healed, to think the way his children are meant to think. So in 2 Corinthians 5.19, Sasha, you already read that and has given us this message of reconciliation. What's the message of reconciliation? God is not angry with you. God is not condemning you. God knows your situation you didn't choose to be born here uh you you long for a different mode of existence Mm -hmm. and god has prepared it all yeah Mm. and it's yours the problem is can you believe it
1: it's it's the prodigal son coming home can he believe
2: what the father tells him well and then even just thinking about the older son you know just he probably isn't going to let that that son forget it. You know, I feel like he's going to remind him on a regular basis, you know, look, you better be lucky. You're lucky you're here, you know, able to come back and be here and you need to put in your time and you need to build the trust back and you need to do all this, you know, Hmm. and this idea of him going back to his dad and like just coming back to the confirmation that his dad is like, no, like you are here and I love you. I think that is. Yeah.
0: That's good. So I'm guessing the, the phrase, the statement the elder son would keep to use at the worst possible time with his younger brother would be, Wow, thinking of running off again, are you? <laughs>
2: right. Wow. Yeah. It
0: just brings all that history, that
2: yeah.
0: guilt and that sadness back into his life. Mm. So how does God accomplish this healing or the saving? Ephesians 2, verse 8 to 10.
1: Ephesians 2, 8 to 10. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he has planned for us long ago.
0: We are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do the good things he had planned for us long ago. There's God's reality.
1: Yeah, and our reality is that the salvation is not a reward for the good things we do. It's a gift of grace.
2: You know, and that just that last line is striking me so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago it's almost as if like when we are in when we are traumatized and we are not able to see outside of our sphere um, and we're not healed we're not able to see beyond where we are and so it's almost like we have these blinders of trauma on and then when he is healing us then we are able to see all of the beautiful, good things that he has uh, designed for us to be able to do and help with others in in life. And I bet you, just as I'm seeing a glimpse of this, that there is so much joy packed in that, that we don't even know because I limit my experience with god because i don't let him heal all the places in me because i'm not even cognizant enough to know that i am beyond measurably loved by him and just glimpses of that are starting to to you know give me give me hope in this so i feel like even that is a promise rather than an obligation
0: yeah sure is. well said paul put that all in words in writing to Titus. If you'll read that, Sasha, Titus 3, 4 to 7. Okay. Now, this is going to blow your mind away (laughs) and your heart.
2: Oh, good. I love it. But when God, our Savior, revealed his kindness and love, he saved us not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our savior, because of his grace, he made us right in his sight and gave us confidence that we will have inherit uh, that we will inherit eternal life. Wow.
1: Yeah, that's powerful.
2: Well said
1: because of his grace, he has declared us righteous. We're not righteous, but he's declared us that way because of he knows we're, handicapped he knows we didn't choose to get born here we've got fetal alcohol syndrome
0: or sinner's syndrome
1: Sinner that's syndrome that's good that's
0: righteous so god gives new life to everyone i don't know if you got that everyone mm. uh, i mean everyone now in case you didn't get it he gives it to everyone
1: <laughs> <laughs> is there anyone that's not included in everyone <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, so john eleven twenty five, 25 uh, short verse um jesus is talking to his sisters from bethany he says i am the resurrection and the life okay so we we usually read this at funerals and so we're thinking second coming mm-hmm. but jesus is thinking far broader than that he's saying I am the resurrect. I can resurrect you from the deadness of your sinking. Mm. from the deadness of the condemnation you feel, from the deadness of your shame,
2: mm-hmm.
0: from the deadness of your failures.
2: Yes, mm. you know, and um, Ian, I have to say a while ago in one of the Zoom classes, you talked about this idea that that stuff, those things that keep coming back to us when we, in our life, the things that we don't deal with, and they'll always come and haunt us. And, you know, it's so powerful because I I confronted one of those recently in my life and I had no peace and I did, I confronted it and I had a powerful conversation and it was like, it was like night and day. It was like afterwards, it just all drained out and it was gone, and nothing I had to do. There was not a single thing I had to do, and it drained out. And it's so weird how much energy was being used up for that on a repetitive thing. Mm. And it's gone like it's just gone. There's nothing there, there's no hold there. And I just was so blessed by that. And, anyways, I wanted to share that because I. Really received a tremendous blessing, and I just want to thank you for that. That was really good.
0: Thank you. It's, uh, it's like an emotional abscess.
2: Yes, Yeah. You, wow. You've
0: got to deal with it, drain
2: it. Yes. Well <laughs> and, said. And, uh,
0: mm-hmm. Well, good for you. Takes courage to do that. So um, Romans five, verse fifteen to twenty-one. Uh, it's almost impossible not to comment on this. I'll try and not to, uh, I'm fully prepared to fail though. <laughs> so, um, Warren, can you read that please? Romans 5, 15 to 21. You, you stop me when you break your
1: promise. <laughs> but there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift for the sin of this one man Adam brought death to many but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man Jesus Christ and the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of one man's sin for Adam's sin led to condemnation but God's free gift leads it to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness, for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and a new life for everyone.
0: Sorry, I have to stop you there. Yeah. Just just read that again, please, that verse.
1: Adam's, yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone.
0: Everyone. I mean, Like, did you get it? It's everyone. Yeah. Adam's sin affected everyone. Christ's salvation affects everyone. Yeah. Amen. That must be verse 18.
1: That's verse 18. Yeah. And, and you yeah. know, and, and he does this because he knows we didn't choose to get born here. Yeah. He's very fair to say, you know what, I, I'm going to make you all righteous because... That's what you would have had if you hadn't got born here. Yeah. Verse 19. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one other person obeyed God, many or all will be made righteous.
0: Okay. You need to finish up 20 and 21.
1: Okay. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were, but as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord.
0: Amen. Wow. So verse 21 doesn't say for everybody, but it's implied.
3: Mm
0: -hmm. so this that's actually the seventh time that paul says in this chapter five that everyone has been given life and the only way to lose out on this eternal life is to refuse it Mm -hmm. yeah yeah this is a very difficult paradigm change for most christians Traditional Christianity says you are lost until you do something. What must you do? You must repent. Uh, You must confess your sins. You must accept Jesus as your savior and commit your life to him. Okay? The gospel is, hello, I've got good news for you. You are treasured in God's heart. As far as God's concerned, he saved you. Can you believe that? Now, if you believe it, I mean, there'll be amazing changes in your life. One, you'll start to love yourself. You'll have this freedom. You're not going to walk around with all this guilt and shame. You'll have to deal with it piecemeal, but you now have the impetus and the energy and the courage to deal with those issues in your life. Mm -hmm.
3: Okay, so Ephesians 2,
0: verse 4 to 6, Sasha. Mm -hmm. If you can read that, please.
2: But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus.
0: (laughs) It's an astonishing passage. He resurrected us with Christ and seated us in heavenly realms. Mm. Man, I tell you, I'm royalty. That's right. <laughs> you are my royal brother and sister.
3: Mm.
0: Colossians 2, 9 to 10. For in
1: Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. So I'm complete. He says it right there.
0: You are.
1: Yeah. Beautiful.
0: Colossians 2, 13 to 14, Sasha.
2: You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he gave forgave all all our sins.
0: Excuse me, I have to stop you. You see, we read that verse, and we don't read with, we read through Christ. God made you alive through Christ, which is true, but with is much more compelling. Right. That means when Jesus was resurrected, you were resurrected 2,000 years ago, because you've Identified with him. And then it says he forgave all our sins. No ifs, buts, hows, just it's done. Wow. Yeah. But now not everybody will believe it. So now he's going to come up with verse 14 to can- put the final nail in the coffin.
2: He cancelled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross.
0: We took away the list of all the charges against us by the devil, by ourselves, by other people. He nailed it to the cross. Anything nailed to the cross was meant to be totally and utterly destroyed. That's that's what the cross was. The cross was the ultimate destruction of a person's character, uh, their moral sensibilities and their physical body.
2: So, our condemnation then was nailed to the cross, self condemnation and condemnation from Satan against us.
0: Yes. Yeah. I think you've got it.
2: These are, these are like very, um, like they, they really just settle in. And this idea of this raising with Christ, I mean, I just got an image of Jesus coming and, and, and being risen. because because he rose, like when he rose, we rose. That's so good.
0: Yeah. So just one more, Jude 24.
1: No, you missed one.
0: I I, I was hoping you wouldn't notice. (laughs) Oh,
1: sorry. Okay, Jude 24.
0: Okay, let's read it uh colossians 3 1 to 4 (laughs) (laughs) you guys are (laughs) shocked. well (laughs) you
2: want more hope ian don't chip (laughs) us from the hope
3: yeah
1: (laughs) since you have been raised to new life with christ set your sights on the realities of heaven where christ sits in the place of honor at god's right hand think about the things of earth not the things sorry think about the things of heaven not the things of earth, for you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. Wow. That's too powerful to to miss. Wow. (laughs) So we have a choice. We can set our eyes on this earth, but we can set our eyes on the realities of heaven that's where we really are.
2: Wow.
0: By faith, yeah. You know, uh, you've all heard the old adage, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus.
2: Yes.
0: You know, you know, it depends on your image of Jesus. For some people, Jesus is the great argument of uh, being. He wins all his arguments with anybody who challenges him. So they set their eyes on being able to win any spiritual arguments.
3: Mm.
0: That's how they keep their eyes fixed on Jesus. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, for other people, Jesus, uh, he always points out the uh, faults and the failings of the Pharisees, the religious leaders. Mm. So they keep their eyes fixed on Jesus by criticizing the leadership in the church. So it really depends on what you see in Jesus as to what you, what's gonna happen in your life. Okay, Jude 24. Um, Sasha, last one on God gives new life.
2: Now all glory to God, who is able to keep you from falling away, and we will bring and will bring you with great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault.
0: I mean. That's as good as it gets. Yeah. He'll bring you with great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault. Can you imagine God introducing you to the angels? Hmm. Saying, okay, guys, this is my man, Warren K. Fantastic guy. Just a Best you could ever hope for. He's my prince, and he's gonna look after the Andromeda Galaxy. For and I'm so happy to have him here today. It gives me great joy to introduce him to you. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You no, know, we just need to re-emphasize it that God rescued the whole world. John 3:16, for God so loved the world, world, the cosmos, Mm -hmm. not North America, not Europe.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: So there are a few other verses here. 1 John 2, verse 2. Um, Warren, if you can read that, please.
1: He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins, and not only our sins, but the sins of all
0: the world. Thank Mm. you. So when it says is the sacrifice for our sins, it means these sins have been done away with, but not only our sins, but the sins of the whole world. 1 Timothy 4.10, Sasha.
2: This is why we work hard and continue to struggle, for our hope is in the living God, who is the savior of all people and particularly of all believers. I just love
1: the way he makes the distinction between the world and the believers. We assume he's just talking about believers, but he, he separates it of all people and particularly of all believers.
2: It's beautiful. Uh-huh. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah.
2: yeah, it's easy to miss that word particularly.
0: Yeah, thank you. So in Jesus, we discover our identity um, and despite our condition, You know, you can have a Stradivarius violin uh, with broken strings and cracked uh, varnish and chipped wood, but it's still a Strad.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: And people in the know will pay thousands of dollars for that broken, neglected piece of wood because of its identity. Just to be able to take it home have it repaired and say, oh, may I play you something on my strand? <laughs> it's really helpful to keep uh, your identity and your condition separate. Mm. And your identity is not dependent upon your condition. My last name is Hartley. That's my identity. Um Whether I be a drunken Hartley or a noble Hartley, I'm still a Hartley. My identity is not affected by my condition. So here's your identity. Romans 8, 15 to 17. Say, I've lost track. Whose turn is it?
1: So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you have received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering.
3: Mm.
0: Who are you? I'm his child. Mm -hmm. Whose child? God's child. And that makes
1: you? An heir of the kingdom, co-heir with Jesus. And
0: that makes you a prince. A prince, yes. Of the realm. Yes. And you, dear Sasha, are a princess of the realm. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
3: amen.
0: This is your identity. You are not a paroled convict, you are royal blood and it's your responsibility to learn to think like a prince or a princess. So sometimes in the morning, my dad's looking at me. I see him in the mirror, I have his genes. So when we inherit, we inherit the way God feels and thinks about people on this planet. Galatians 4, verse 4 to 7, Sasha.
2: Mm -hmm. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law, so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father, now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir.
0: So I heard on the news that Abba is going to do a series of virtual concerts.
3: Really? Yeah.
0: Last time they did that was in 81. Oh. It's 40 years later.
2: Oh, wow.
0: You're too young to have even heard Abba.
2: <laughs> uh, well, I, I may be too young, but I sure love their music.
0: <laughs> so when it says Abba, father, it's not talking about those four Swedes.
2: Yeah.
0: Abba is Aramaic for daddy, it's that enduring term that mm-hmm. you use for a father who is dearly loved. There you have your identity. You may call God daddy. How cool is that?
3: Yeah. That's
1: cool. That, that just such a paradigm shift. We grew up with a picture of God that is our judge um, and, and accuser, uh, just condemning us, pointing his finger at us. And here he longs for us to see him as our, as our daddy that we can run to and be wrapped up in his arms and held close to his chest, loved unconditionally. Beautiful.
0: Do you know one of the pictures that's painted in the New Testament of this daddy relationship that God has with us is at the end of John chapter 13. And Jesus is dialoguing uh, with his uh, very impulsive, uh, enthusiastic, passionate disciple uh, by the name of Petros. <laughs> and it goes like this. I'm reading from uh, John 13, verse um, 36. Simon Peter asked, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, You can't go with me now, but you will follow me later. Oh, Why can't I come now, Lord, he asked. I'm ready to die for you. Jesus answered, die for me. I tell you the truth, Peter. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. But let your heart, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's house. If this were not so, I would have told you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. You know the way to where I'm going. Like there's no chapter division there. This Uh is continuous dialogue. This is this arrogant sinner saying, I'm prepared to die for you. And he isn't even prepared to stand up for Jesus. He's so self-deceived. And Jesus says, look, when it happens, don't be worried. Trust me. I'm going to get you there.
1: That just opens that all up. That, that is such a powerful example of what we're talking about, that God knows our condition. He knows we're handicapped. And he just says, you know, even when you deny me, it's okay. I, there's going to be a place for you in heaven. Don't let your heart be
0: troubled. Believe in me.
2: Amen. That is powerful.
0: Yeah. Wow. Okay. And our condition, at uh, present is dismal. So Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I don't think we need to labor the point. But it will not always be this way. Now, I think we all desire to live a noble, worthwhile life. And God gifts us with this wonder. Which wonder? A noble, worthwhile life. Mm -hmm. So we long for forgiveness for our failures. And God gave us forgiveness before we were born. Warren, will you read Ephesians 1, 4 to 8, please? Even before he made the
1: world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out upon us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and
0: understanding. Now, all that happened before the creation of the world. Yeah, that's amazing. We also long for innocence.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And God gives us justification or innocence as a gift. Romans 3 24, Sasha.
2: Mm-hmm. Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins.
0: We also long for righteousness. And God has given us righteousness. Now, the question is, can we believe this is true? I want uh, Warren to read Romans 4, verse 1 in the New International Version.
1: But then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, discovered in this matter? If, in fact, Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Mm -hmm.
0: The reason I chose the new international version is because it uses the word credited. Mm -hmm. Now I get that. See, I have a bank statement that I look at and on the right-hand side of all the debits Mm -hmm. where all the money went and on the left-hand side are all the credits, where the money came in. So when it says, Abraham believed God, it was credited to him in righteousness. Mm. It means that if you look in your moral ledger, then on the right-hand side, you have all your faults and your failings. Mm
3: -hmm. But
0: on the left-hand side, you have all your virtues. And God gives you his virtue. It's like looking at your bank statement and finding out there's a credit of $10 million. I mean, come on now, what would you do if you saw $10 million there? I'd move it to another account right away. And leave leave the country. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Uh, Sasha, um, I'm hoping you're a bit more moral. (laughs) Uh,
2: Yeah, it's gonna be tricky, I know. I I just would uh, have a hard time keeping the money because I would never be able to enjoy myself and I'd always be looking over my shoulder.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know, and that's pretty much what you're both talking about is suspicious. Suspicion Mm -hmm. that it's not really for you. It's a big mistake. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, you're going to be very cautious about this. That's what we do with this verse. He believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. So I I looked um, under Bible Gateway. You can actually take a verse and look at all the English translations uh, to see how many of them actually use the word righteousness. Um, Mm -hmm. Almost all English Bibles use this term, righteousness. So righteousness is for, far more than forgiveness or innocence. Um, you know, you, you, uh, David was forgiven for adultery with Bathsheba and the murder of Uriah the Hittite. Um, it, it's always there. It's forgiven. He did it, but it's forgiven. So it's not held against it, but it's still there. Mm. Innocence, a baby is innocent, but it's not righteous. It just means it hasn't done anything, good or bad. But righteousness means to think right, to feel right, to speak right, to do right, from the moment of birth to the instant of death. Righteousness means to be godlike in every aspect of our being. And it's the greatest gift we could ever receive in this life and the life to come. And it's credited to our moral account. Yeah, beautiful. You know, for me, it's unbelievable.
3: Yeah.
0: And this is the greatest evidence to me that God knows we didn't choose to be born here. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: Is that he gifts us with his righteousness. So Romans 4 verse 17. You can read that, Warren, please. uh, In the King James Version.
1: I've got that in the King James. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did.
0: Thank you. Hmm. So whoever you are, you might be doubting at this moment that God can actually do this. And that's why we read romans 4:17 because god is able to create out of nothing he creates everything
3: mm-hmm.
0: he is our creator and he is able to create righteousness for you mm-hmm. and he did that via the life and death and resurrection of jesus yeah, You see, Jesus is the only person who's lived out their true purpose in life as it was meant to be in the history of our planet. The rest of us couldn't because of our circumstances. So what God can say to the devil is, you see the life of Jesus? That's how Ian would have lived his life if he hadn't have been born a sinner. That's how Sasha would have lived her life. That's how Warren would have lived his
3: life. We
0: need to read a few scriptures to back that up. It sounds preposterous.
2: Mm -hmm. So 1
0: Corinthians 1 verse 30, Sasha.
2: God has united you with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy, and he freed us from sin.
0: Thank you. Christ did it. God did it. The Mm -hmm. Spirit does it. I I would like to read that verse uh, in an older translation. Uh, The Mm -hmm. newer translations are more easy to understand, but there's something about an older translation that's really um, quite impactful. One Corinthians, one study, maybe in the king james version or the new international version
1: i've got it in the new king james okay 130 but of him you are in christ jesus who became for us wisdom from god and righteousness and sanctification and redemption
0: yeah wisdom what's the next one
1: righteousness sanctification redemption
0: yeah It's amazing that Jesus becomes all those things for us. Yeah. John 6, 53. Warren?
1: So Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within
3: you.
0: So what Jesus is saying is, unless you become me, unless my righteousness becomes yours you get it that's what this eating my flesh and drinking my blood means Mm. you become so closely identified with me that i am you and you is me Mm. yeah we're on galatians 2 verse 20 sasha
2: Mm -hmm. my old self has been crucified with christ it is no longer i who live but christ lives in me So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me.
0: Thank you. It's this identification with Jesus. He's got this, that Jesus came to live the life we were meant to live. So he's trusting in that and trusting to Jesus, the Spirit, to live it out now. Romans 8, verse 11, Warren. The Spirit of
1: God, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. And just as God raised Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by his sa- this same Spirit living within you.
0: Thank you. will give life. I am the resurrection and the life. The Spirit will give you that life mm-hmm. in your life even in your present bodies, your present mortal bodies. So, you know, there's a great fear among some people that uh, the gospel leads people to become careless and they live their lives in freedom and abandon and they don't really toe the line, so to speak. So the, the truth is that a person who understands the gospel is under greater obligation um, to live a life worthy of the love of God than a person who's under law. So have a look at Colossians 3, 12 to 17. Sasha, if you'll read that, please.
2: Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father.
1: Amen. You know, when he says in verse thirteen, "Make allowance for each other's faults," it's like he's saying, "Consider that they didn't choose to get born here either." Amen. Just yes, like they didn't. So, yeah, make allowance because he makes allowance for us. That's so
0: good. So that sounds like a pretty high standard to me. Yeah, much higher than the law.
2: It's true because in the last part, the the next verse said. If it was you know if if we could just make ourselves right in in God by following the law, then Jesus wouldn't have needed to come to die.
0: So to wrap this all together, we didn't choose to be born here, but we were. Innocent Adam made a horrific choice, and we as children experience the consequences of this choice. This is our reality. And the devil believes this is fair and just and wants our planet to continue in this terrible condition.
1: You know, Ian, this reminds me of a movie that I once saw called 50 First Dates. And uh, it's an interesting tale of this young man that falls in love with this woman, but she's got a brain injury and so she can't remember what happened yesterday. So every time he meets her, it's a first date. And he does all these interesting things to to be able to have that date with her. And eventually um, she falls in love with him and they get married. And so the way that she copes with that is every morning when she gets up, she puts a a VHS tape into a player and it tells her, you've had a brain injury. You don't remember what happened yesterday. You're married to this guy. You've got a couple kids with him, and, and this, is, this is your day. And, and so she can operate from that understanding. And it's like the devil would, he knows my mind is like a sieve, and he wants me to believe the negative and start my day from that position. And yet Jesus and God want me to realize, no, you're my prince. You're my son. You're, you're co-heirs with me. Start your day from that position with the assurance of they're seated on the right hand of, of Christ in heaven. And so put your focus on heaven, not on the things of this earth. Amen. Yes, Powerful. Good
0: parallel. You know, one of the evidences of our arrogance is that uh, we want to take responsibility for sin. And by doing that, we think we can actually overcome this sin. we take responsibility for it. Uh, It's a good thing to take responsibility for our sins. But we didn't cause the mess. And somebody else is going to solve it, has solved it for us. So God created a way out of the situation we're in through his self-sacrificing love. Now, once he'd done that, he could have forced the solution on us. uh, But he left us with a choice in the matter. This choice respects our moral freedom and our dignity. He has saved us. This is his reality. Our choice is now between our own sinful reality and God's reality. We can actually refuse God's reality. And we are arrogant and stubborn and unbelieving enough to do so at times. Or we can recognize the grace of God and be caught up with his dream for us for now and for all eternity.
3: Mm, powerful. Yeah.
0: yeah. And I, I once read a psychologist who said, we, our lives are driven by the images we have in our minds. So, mm. for instance, a high school student who sees himself in a law court arguing the case, um, they're willing to give up TV and sport to get good grades so they can get into law school or somebody wants to be a physician. Same thing, they have this image in their mind that drives them. So the image I have in my mind is of being one of God's princes and ministering to the whole universe
3: Mm.
0: with him and for him and with Sasha and with Warren. And it drives my life. Mm and I'm happy for it. Mm -hmm. I'm reminded of that song. I have decided to follow Jesus. Yes, I've decided to follow Jesus. Yeah, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Let us pray together. Oh, God, how little we understand of your imagination and your love for us. We feel our our poverty. We cry out to you to give us your imagination and your compassion for people. Thank you for saving us. You wonderful beyond words. And we worship you. Amen. Amen.
1: Thank you for joining us today on this journey to understand the God that Jesus knew. To enable you to share this with your friends, we developed a website at www.rediscoveringgod.ca, where all the podcasts are posted, and you can also download a PDF document that gives you the passages that we've been looking at in each podcast that you can review, follow along, or share also with your friends. In addition to the website, you can reach us at rediscoveringgod20 at gmail.com. If you have questions, or just would like to share with us, we would be glad to hear from you. Thank you so much.